Welcome to another informative episode of the No Harm Health and Safety Podcast. Fatigue is really the key factor when we look at a person's circadian cycles and things like that as to when they need sleep and when they don't. The hours of service legislation only addresses the number of hours that a driver can drive, but it really can't tap into when a person is tired. No Harm is the podcast for health and safety professionals like you. We're here to help you sharpen your professional skills and better understand emerging issues. With electronic logs, it's impossible to keep two sets of logs and they are factual, they are true. People are driving to the hours they say they're driving. Fatigue is a lot lessened and it's all around a better situation than exists currently. Sounds like a great topic. Let's get started. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the No Harm Health and Safety Podcast. I'm your host, Marvin Polis, and today we have a very interesting topic. I'm in the office of the Alberta Motor Transport Association, and with me now is Andy Barnes. He's, of course, with the association, and we're going to talk about electronic logs, paper logs, what's been happening, what's changing. Thank you for joining me, Andy. Hey, thanks for having me, Marvin, and... Uh yeah, it's very interesting times. Electronics are coming into trucks sooner than later. We're slowly catching up with some of the European companies. Now, up to now, almost everybody, with some exceptions, have been using paper logs. Some companies have been using electronic logs, but there's some legislation coming down the pipe pretty soon. So tell us all about this. Well, we've been working with the Canadian Trucking Association and the Federal Transportation Ministry. And what we expect is... We've already seen the technical bulletins being released on how these devices will work. The AMTA is with the CTA, has reviewed the technical aspects of the electronic logging devices, uh, made our recommendations. The forecast is for approximately December of 2017 for this to be in place in legislation, which will then require people to start using electronic logging devices instead of the old paper logs. Now there will be an implementation period of about 48 months for people to one, start researching the products out there and two, implement them in the company. From everything that we've heard coming out of the federal government, I really do expect these to come into place this year, if not this year, early 2018. Now what is the point of the electronic logs after all? The point of the electronic log books is simply to replace the paper log books the drivers are using right now. The electronic logging device must be connected to the truck which shows when it is driving, when it's not driving. It also allows the driver to input what he's doing at different times in there and it tracks the number of hours that a driver is on duty as well as driving and off-duty time to ensure that they're meeting the requirements of the federal hours of service legislation. Now, of course, this would lead to a very important safety point. What are the benefits of the electronic logs? I think the benefits of the electronic log book is fatigue management. Right now, the hours of service legislation that's in place federally and provincially is the only way that we can truly look at how many hours a driver's been on duty working and driving during the day and put some type of constraint to that. I don't think the legislation is perfect because we're talking about fatigue here. Fatigue is really the key factor 
when we look at a person's circadian cycles and things like that as to when they need sleep and when they don't, the hours of service legislation only addresses the number of hours that a driver can drive, but it really can't tap into when a person is tired and when they shouldn't be tired. A good example of this is, I think it's after 18 hours of being awake or, or doing some type of process, the impairment level of a person is in excess of what we would consider 0.08 for an impaired driver. So we don't have, this isn't a science. This isn't a science that can be measured when we talk about fatigue like impairment. So when we have an impaired driver on the road, a police officer can stop that person, do a roadside sobriety test, and if necessary, a roadside breathalyzer, and then if warranted, take them to an approved screening device to determine how much alcohol that person is in, has in their blood system. Fatigue isn't like that. We don't have a device that we can measure fatigue in people. So therefore, both provincially and federally, we have at least some hours as to how many, how many hours people can work and how many hours people can drive during the day. The fallback to that is, what are people doing when they're not at work? If you've had an argument at home, if you've gone out and you're working in the backyard or you've gone out and you're in a pub or something like that, Obviously, your levels of fatigue are not going to be what they should be to operate a commercial motor vehicle and or any motor vehicle on the road. So I think it's important to understand that a lot of people may be in a disagreement with hours of service legislation and or question its effectiveness. But it's important because it is really the only way that we can look at fatigue right now. You're right. It's really the, the best option that we had. It would be great if there were some kind of chemical test or breathalyzer test, but it just doesn't exist. No, it doesn't exist. And I guess when we look at fatigue, it's one of the leading causes of vehicles going into the ditches and crashes on the road. Obviously, distracted driving has taken over the number one position. But I don't think this is far behind because, again, we don't have a way of testing for this. So when we see a car in the ditch that is slowly moved off the road, or, or it's a large commercial vehicle for that fact, why did that person move off the road? Was it distraction? Was it the fact that they nodded off into a microsleep? Is it the fact that they have sleep apnea? So right now, we don't have any legislation requiring sleep apnea testing or anything like that, too. A lot of companies do that, and a lot of companies manage this whole process, too, with a whole journey management system that they may have developed policy and procedure on within their company. Looking back at one of the former companies I worked for in the oil field, we developed a uh, rather thorough journey management process, which really took fatigue management beyond the legislative requirements and went through a series of risk-based questions looking at, okay, what are the conditions of the road? How do you feel? All of these different factors which came up with a score as to whether you're actually going to be on the road. And then once you get on the road, how long are we even going to allow a driver to drive internally within a company? before we feel that fatigue is being affected. And then should we start doing testing before drivers even hit the road with companies? So there's a lot of simple quizzes out there that can detect fatigue problems, sleep apnea and things like that. So the resources are kind of unlimited. But it's something that everybody's got to look at, and it's something important. And of course, it is really important because at the end of the day, there are all kinds of ethical issues here, and there are all kinds of liability issues. So when we look at the ethical questions 
when can we ask people about medical problems? When can we do this and that? A lot of it comes down to voluntary compliance and internal company policies. I think the liability part falls hand in hand with that. If you don't do some type of testing for fatigue, are you putting yourself in a place of having some liability? Even though there's legislation, the hours of service in place, and we expect there to be these laws to be tightened up with electronic logging devices, is that adequate for your company? And it's maybe something people need to ask themselves and then move forward. Great. Thanks for sharing that with us. Now, as we said earlier, there are some organizations that are already starting to use the electronic logs. What are you hearing from them? There's a lot of companies that have adopted the electronic logging devices. This isn't any new equipment. There's also a lot of apps out there that will just track hours. So let's make a clarity first. There's a lot of apps that simply track your hours electronically. That's one thing. But an electronic logging device, according to the definition and the proposed wording of it, will mean it's got to be connected to the vehicle so it knows when the vehicle's running or not. So big difference there. When you have an electronic logging device in the vehicle and companies have implemented this, what we found from not only doing this myself within a large company, or actually companies, but talking with other people, is an alarming rate of the drivers themselves being happy with the devices. It reduces the number of hours that they have to spend doing paperwork. It eliminates their need for them to worry about how are they going to possibly keep a second logbook because I would suggest that there's possibly some out there and allows for not only the people to be more productive at work, but also for the company, which in turn, everything is showing more money in the driver's pocket. When we think about implementation and companies that have put these in large fleets, we're really talking about minimum a year to year and a half to implement something into a fleet truly train drivers and for the drivers to get accustomed to it. And when drivers get accustomed to this electronic logging device, electronic logs, anyone that I've talked to has been extremely happy. And even the older generation, once they understand these devices and they use them, they won't go back. People refuse to go back to paper logs. They don't want them anymore. It's a lot easier. It's a lot more productive. Definitely. Now, Andy, let's talk about consistency. Of course, you have federal legislation here in Canada. There's provincial legislation across the border in the USA. They have legislation. I suppose they have federal legislation and state legislation. Is all of this going to be harmonized? We're never going to see, I think, a true harmonization between the FMCSA and Transport Canada when it comes to U.S. and Canada laws. I think what we're seeing is a harmonization across the provinces. Alberta is the only province that hasn't adopted the federal legislation at some weight threshold. With the onset of electronic logging devices federally, I would guess that the province is most likely looking at adopting the federal legislation now and the requirements for ELDs. This is only my personal view. We haven't seen anything in writing from the governments or anything. So just so I'm clear on this, if I own a trucking company and I'm looking at putting in the electronic log books, would it be true to say that there's no legislation that says I can't use them because if I put in the electronic logging devices, I think I would want to be able to use them anywhere where my drivers are driving. That's right. Currently, drivers can use an electronic-based copy instead of paper, provincially or federally. So there's no harm in putting them in. In speaking with one of the larger bulk carriers in Alberta, that company has instituted them in all of their trucks. One of the people there, 
uh, senior management officials has implemented electronic logging devices in a multitude of companies where he's been all successfully and with great success of the company and the drivers. Certainly there's a few people that are never happy with these and you may see some form of attrition which is usually from what we hear less than 10%. But do we really need those people operating vehicles on the road, especially commercial vehicles? I don't know. Okay, well, Andy, we're just about up on time, so is there anything else you want to say in summary? I'm looking forward to the transition into electronic logging devices. Many companies are using them out there right now. And the one thing that I would urge people to do is just simply start researching, look at different vendors out there as to what the technology has, and listen up for the announcements. Well, again, Andy, thanks for joining us today. And before we wrap up, where can our listeners learn more about the Alberta Motor Transport Association and electronic logging devices? People can go to our website. The website is amta.ca. We're going to keep updates on the website regularly. But if you truly want to say and you want a lobby or some advocacy, you need to be a full carrier member, which is a paid member of the AMTA. So as a director of Compliance and Regulatory Affairs, I work directly with the provincial, federal authorities, as well as the Canadian Trucking Association on the implementation of this legislation like we talked about. So go to the website, amta.ca, and stay tuned. Great. Thanks for joining us and sharing all this knowledge. Thank you, and have a good day. Well, everyone, that was a really informative interview with Andy Barnes from the Alberta Motor Transport Association, of course, regarding electronic logbooks and electronic logging devices. And something we want to do now is just carry on with this topic. I have with me Barbara Semenuk, and she's with Purcell Enterprises. Now, she's an auditor. She's a health and safety auditor, and I want to talk to her about the implications of all of this technology. Thanks for joining us, Barbara. It's very fascinating, and it affects auditing in a huge way. It makes it easier as an auditor to do our job. We're tasked with the government, and we have government auditors that make sure we're doing our job as certifying partner auditors. And basically, how it makes our job easier is it's a lot harder to fudge logs when you use electronic logs. And it's easier to check up on them as well because electronic logs automatically monitor themselves on a daily basis to ensure accuracy. And when we come in as auditors, we have to look at electronic logs and we have to look right now at paper logs and we have to determine to the best of our ability that they're factual, they're true, and they represent and meet legislative compliance, which is a lot harder to do with paper logs than with electronic logs. Paper logs can be fudged. People can keep two logbooks, and we have no way of knowing that unless we check fuel receipts, and it's a long, involved process, and they can get away with it. With electronic logs, it's impossible to keep two sets of logs and they are factual they are true people are driving to the hours they say they're driving fatigue is a lot lessened and it's all around a better situation 
than exists currently, notwithstanding the fact that paper logs take a huge amount of administration work. They have to be audited by hand by other companies, which companies have to pay for, and also the record keeping and the retention can be onerous. So electronic logs don't have that. And Barbara, of course, all of this goes to the hazard of fatigue. And Andy really made the point there. It's about keeping the roads safe. I suspect you have some thoughts on this as well. Yes, I particularly liked what Andy had to say about fatigue. I have sleep apnea, so I know how devastating fatigue can be and how until you're diagnosed, you don't even know you're operating and can be a danger to the public. And once diagnosed and you're on your CPAP machine, you act and behave in a normal fashion. I'd like to see every trucking company have a means in place of checking their drivers to make sure they don't have sleep apnea. And if they do, they receive adequate treatment and follow-up to use CPAP machines and the existing technology properly so they're not fatigued and it's not like they're driving, so to speak, drunk because with fatigue as Andy mentioned it's like you're impaired and it can be a leading cause of incidence and it's an undetected iceberg because as the population gets older and fatter we're more inclined to have sleep apnea. So I think we're all in agreement here that at the end of the day this is about safety and there's an ethical issue here and there's a liability issue here but but really the ethical issue is so important. It's huge. The ethical issue is we want the public to go home safely. Currently driving is one of the most dangerous activities you can do and it puts you at risk every day. And if we can mitigate or reduce some of that risk as an auditor, as a compliance officer for MTA, the Andy is, we're doing our job. And in the end, it's very fulfilling. Great thoughts. Well, thanks for joining us today, Barbara. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the No Harm Health and Safety Podcast. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. And hey, be sure to tell your friends and colleagues who can benefit from our podcast. The No Harm Health and Safety Podcast is a production of Stimulant Strategies and Stimulant Media Productions. You can learn more about us at stimulant.ca. All the best, everyone, and stay safe.